Hey everyone, this is Lyle and Lawson, your host for the Faith FM Breakfast Show. We are taking a much needed break over the holiday period and we'll be back live with you on the 10th of January. Our amazing producer Shell has put together some of the best and greatest shows from the year that you're going to enjoy revisiting. So stay tuned and listen in and we will be back live very soon.
Okay, so moving on to text messages. We've got a couple of text messages to come through. Let me see what we've got here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, we do need to announce that Tassie Encounters... Right? Oh, yeah. Epic. The morning show, yeah. which comes after the breakfast show, mm-hmm. is going to be live Australia-wide as of today. That is so good. So wishing all of our, I believe it's Jason and uh, David on today, I think mm-hmm. it is, uh, with Tassie Encounters. So wishing our Tasmanian um, fellow transmitters down there all of the best mm. as they jump on air for Tassie Encounters right across Australia. Good to see Tassie getting some promotion. Great time to be, yeah, Tasmanian. hearing Tasmanians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting out there, going for it, doing their thing, spreading the word, punching above their body weight. Epic. So super proud of the Tasmanians mm. today. Tasmania, of course, being the promised land for those of you who don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It is. <laughs> it's, just, just, it's a fact. It's just how it is. All right, so what have we got here for text messages? We've got a few of us. Okay, Ooh, what do we see here? Okay, for those of us who are old and older vintage, the boomers. Mm-hmm. Remember the year 2000 when the world was going to come to an end? Uh-huh. Silicon chip was the issue. We survived. No, 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 but there's yeah. a difference. Wow, wow. No, 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 because, because, because Y2K was a software issue. Yes. This is a hardware issue. Yes. The, literally the hardware that runs all this stuff won't exist. Yes. This is important, Lyle. Please. please. <laughs> Lyle, please. I didn't write the text message. You, you didn't take this up. Okay, but here's my point. Mm-hmm. Non-renewable resources are non-renewable. Mm-hmm. They won't last forever. Mm-hmm. Society will change. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I'm not worried about it. Why? The Lord is going to return. Yeah, amen. That's that does not mean that we squander the resources that God has given to us because God has entrusted us as stewards of those resources in the world. And so we don't sort of mm. throw up our hands and like, well, it doesn't matter. Use whatever you want. Just just burn it to the ground because Jesus is coming back. No, that's not what the Bible teaches in the God. And God, the Bible teaches that God will hold us accountable for the way in which mm. we use the resources that he's entrusted into our care. Okay, landmines, landmine clearing. Uh, they gave a long way. They have a long way to go, as there are three million buried in Vietnam. Forty thousand people died since 1975 due to them. Six million landmines in Cambodia. Eighty million in Laos, plus wow. many in other countries. Man, Laos is a tiny country too. I There's know. like a four million person population there. Something tiny like that. That's crazy. Nuts. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, I have a bit of a thing about landmines. I think they should be placed in the same category as hollow point bullets. Mm. Yeah, no, that's tough. Because they just last for so long, you know. I mean, this yeah, is yeah. decades later and they are still going off. Yeah. No, well, it's good to see that they're doing something about it. Yes. And hopefully, you know, <laughs> the US can write more government grants. <laughs> uh, it's organizations who are going in and clearing them up. All right, other text Okay, messages? so the LGBT plus Lutheran trans bishop, uh, 30 years ago, um, the issue in the Christian church was ordination of women. Mm. Um, many pastors warned that it would open a Pandora's box. Today, anything goes in the name of God. Mm. Uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, thing to talk about. Talking about wanting his name but not obeying his words. Uh, last day's apostate church. And this is what we should be expecting. You know, we see this happening in Christianity. We jump very quickly to defend Christianity when atheists come out after Christians and like, oh, Christians are like this or Christians are like that or Christians are like the others. And we're like, no, 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 no. 
we are too quick to defend Christianity. Mm. The Bible describes Christianity at the end of time as Babylon. Mm. We should expect the corruption of Christianity. This should mm. be our expectation. And I feel like that, that can be such a powerful way to draw people to Christ himself. Yeah. Is to show them like, oh, yeah, no, the, the, yeah, the, this is not what Christ looks like. About saying that God doesn't love people? He doesn't like the sin. He loves the person. Mm. It's a technique used to say a statement like that so the media can pick it up and a non-existent issue can be blown up out Oof. of it to confuse a further confused world. Mm. And that's, 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 ex- that's exactly what's going on right there. And if you missed the, uh, the news story, it was a story where this person says that they are going to stand up um, and be as angry as all of the people who say that, there are types of people that God can't love. And I'm like, who says that? Mm. Lawson's met one. I've not met any. Yeah. You know, the Bible says God loves everybody mm. and Jesus gave his life for every single person. And that grace is available to every person on the planet. I love that point that's made there, you know, the whole idea of uh, God loves the sinner but not the sin. Yeah. And I feel like we use that as a catchphrase, but we really need to Acceptance, understand. Acceptance but not affirmation. Yeah. But I feel like we really need to understand how much God hates the sin. Like, I feel like sometimes we can use that as a catchphrase to just, like, you know, uh, quell people's worries about God and about, you know, their, their, you know, someone who is, is in one of these categories of people, you know, LGBT community. We use that as a catchphrase. We don't really let them know, but, like, yeah, but God hates that sin so much that he died and gave everything so he could remove it from you. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't really take... It, it's Sometimes we can be too timid to take that opportunity, uh-huh. um, which it's, you know, you've got to be really sensitive with these issues. You've got to be appropriate and And I think understand. that a lot of people expect us to say God hates that sin so much that he's going to crush and destroy, you know, anybody who does that. No. Whereas the opposite is the case. God hates that sin so much that he died. He died. He died to give you freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the one who gave everything. Yes. And, you know, so often... He experienced that so that you don't have to. And it's so often with this, like, with people in these situations, and this includes us because we're all sinners. Yes. That we feel Absolutely. like we are sacrificing so much by giving up a sin, by following the Lord. No, we are walking into the best life that we could possibly live. Yes, we still experience pain and suffering, all those things, but we do it with the assurance of salvation on the other end. Like, how much of a better deal could you get? Because everyone experiences pain and suffering. The point that this, uh, you know, trans bishop is making that, oh, you know, these communities have experienced too much pain and suffering and it is caused by bias. Everyone experiences pain and suffering. Christians, some more than others. Some more than that. others. It shouldn't be the case. That, but that's the world in which but we live. That, that, yeah, that is the sinful world that we live in. And that, that is what God has done, is that he wants to remove pain and suffering. And what yes. causes it? Our sin. That's right. Our sin. Absolutely. Like, God is so good. You're like, oh, man. Anyways, we could... I don't know what our Bible studies on today. Lyle, you do. And you're going to be leading out for us. It's going to be epic. But... It's, it's about the goodness of God. Amen. As it always Amen. is. Amen. But, um, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Let's head over to our Bible study, actually. Yeah. And we're going to have a challenging discussion this morning. There are some important points here that I would like your thoughts on. Okay, mm. so here's the first point. Why were the Israelites enslaved for 400 years? This is my question. Ooh. Why were they enslaved for 400 years? What caused that? And then what changed, what circumstances changed that they were brought out of slavery? Mm. I want to know the answer to that. And I want you to comment on the answer to that. 
Why were they enslaved for 400 years? And then what circumstances changed that enabled them to be brought out of slavery? Was it just random on God's part? Was it arbitrary on God's part? What was it all about? Let us know. You know what our numbers are, so give us a call. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So a quick reminder of those numbers in case you forgot them and have not yet saved them in your phone. They are 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Yeah, epic. If you know the answer of the question I just asked, (laughs) give us a call. Why were they enslaved for 400 years? And what circumstances changed that brought them out of slavery? Mm. Now, there's going to be a bunch of people out there going to be saying, well, they were enslaved because God said they were going to be enslaved. Yeah, but I want to know the reason why. Mm. And then what changed? Mm. So those, you know, that changed. Yeah, okay. That's what we're going to get into. That's what we are going to get into today. Because, you know, really when God comes to his people uh, in Egypt, and introduces him or reintroduces himself to them. He reintroduces himself to them as a God of love, and he shows them a tremendous amount of protection mm. and a tremendous amount of love, and, and, and he supplies their needs. He's there with manna. He's there with the cloud to give them shade during the day. He's there with the fire to keep them warm at night. You know, he's doing so much for his people to win them over to himself. And the reason that he is doing this is because they have forgotten him. Mm. And he's like, guys, this is who I am. This is the kind of God that I am. This is the kind of God that you serve. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of your fathers, and I'm a good God. Mm. So where was God during those years of captivity? Yeah, well. Why wasn't he there doing something? Mm, Interesting questions. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, so give us a call. All right, story to get us started with. There was a little boy... Um, one of seven children. He met with an accident, was taken to hospital. Now, in his home, there was seldom enough of anything. He had never had more than just a part of a glass of milk. Mm. If the glass was full, it was shared by two of the children, and whoever drank first had to be careful not to drink too far. After the little fellow was made comfortable in the hospital, the nurse brought him a large glass of milk. He looked at it longingly for a moment and then... Uh, asked, how deep shall I drink? The nurse with her eyes shining and a lump in her throat said, drink it all, child, drink it all. Mm. And this is what God is saying to the Israelites as they come out of the wilderness. God is saying, I'm a good God. I have lots of grace. Just drink it all. This is what God says to every single one of us when we fall into sin, is I've got abundant grace. I paid the price so that you don't have to pay it. I died on Calvary so that you don't have to die. I came to spare you from all of this. Mm. Just drink it all. Just take the lot. It's good. Okay, so let's uh, continue on here and we'll look at a few passages. Let's begin in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4. Exodus 19 and verse 4. We're going to look at some passages while you stew on the question as to why did they go into captivity? and what changed to bring them out of captivity. Mm. I want to hear your thoughts on it because I don't have all the answers on this. Mm. So if you want, if, you, if you're like, oh, I'm just going to shut up and wait for Lyle to give all the answers, <laughs> you might be waiting a while. I don't have all the answers. 
I need you to help me. All right. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4, the Bible says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Okay, so the Bible says that God does what here? He, he like, avenges them, you know, this, yes. because, you know, the, the slavery that they faced under the Egyptians. But then he carries them out. He carries them out like how? On eagle's wings. On eagle's wings. Now, apparently, and I've never seen this happen, uh, but I was reading about it, apparently there are some uh, types of eagles that when they teach their young to fly, they actually pick them up on their back and fly off with them on their back, get them up to a you know a decent height where there's nothing to run into, and drop them off. That's pretty hectic. <laughs> yeah, it's like... This is uh, learning to fly from the deep end. But when you stop and think about it, how would you feel if you were if you had wings and you're learning to fly? You know, you've got the option of jumping off of a tree or a cliff, mm. or you've got the option of starting from say ten thousand feet. I'd rather start from ten thousand feet because that's going to give me a longer period of time to figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, apparently, with some uh, types of eagles is that if the young one is struggling, they'll fly down underneath of it and catch it. Yeah. Carry it back to the nest. You'd hope so. You would. <laughs> you would. It, it, you know, birds just amaze me and eagles, you know, are just the most amazing of birds. And you sort of, you know, you look at them, they, you know, start off, they hatch out of an egg. They look like the most ugly, scrawny, little, terrible-looking things that just squawk all the time and demand to be fed and then they grow and they have feathers and that time comes when they you know waddle up to the edge of the nest and they're sort of looking over the edge as mum and dad are flying backwards and forwards all the time and then the time comes they just spread their wings and it's just like mm. and off they go and they're just and it's like no lessons no nothing yeah wow well. you know if you and i lawson went for our pilot's license <laughs> how many Hours are we going to do before they let us fly by ourselves? Oh, they put you in the simulator. It's only going to be like ten you... hours before you get up there, and I, I don't know. I was... Well, even now, like because they have the technology of like flight simulators and everything. Before you even get in the plane, you're like sitting in a cockpit, you know, working out what all the buttons are. You know, doing simulated flights where the thing like vibrates and bounces around. It's hectic. Like, yeah, the point is, is that like for us, it's something that is needs to be so learned. Like, yes. that we need so much help with, whereas it seems, yeah. And how birds. long does it take a human being to learn how to walk? Oh, yeah. This is, it, do you know, do human beings have, like, the longest stages Childhood? of learning? Oh, absolutely, uh, no question. insane. It is, it is. And, you know, that eagle just reaches that particular point, and he's just off. Mm. Okay, so we've got some text messages coming in. Um, in relationship to the question that I was asking here a minute ago, let's have a look here. Um, God was making them a, na- a nation. The hardship was to strengthen them and draw them together as a people. Mm. Okay. It's an interesting thought, and it's not altogether, you know, it's not altogether wrong, but I would challenge it to some extent mm-hmm. and say, did God have to give them that level of slavery for that to happen? I mean, this was a level of slavery where. You know, all the male children were being killed there at one stage. Mm. Can't you learn through the school of hard knocks without that kind of genocide taking yeah, place? Rather than the school of ultimate oppression and cultural hate. Yeah, that's that's intense. Yeah, and, you know, you sort of, 
you look at, you know, the kind of people that they were and compared to us, they were already learning in the School of Hard Knocks. So I think there's a certain level of validity to this point. Um, so those are my questions that I'm going to ask of this person who's texting, texting in straight away and maybe they can come up with some follow-up answers because that's my challenge. Mm. Uh, having said that, I think that they've raised a very valid point. Mm. You see, when Joseph took his family down to Egypt, they were given the land of Goshen. Yes. Uh, this was just prime agricultural land, some of the most prime agricultural land anywhere in the world. Yeah. This was this was land that was watered annually by the floods that came down the Nile River without it raining. So you never you had an abundance of water mm. without any bad weather. Yeah, well. You know, and when you're the kind of people who are used to living in tents and those kinds of buildings, uh rain is just horrid. Mm. Rain is generally hot. I'd love to live in a in a world where it never rains. I don't agree with you. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> and I get that as well. But, you know, those wet, rainy, miserable days, you know, it's just like uh, they're down in Egypt. It is warm. It is balmy. Life is easy. Mm. Would they, if God had come back 400 years later and said, hey, I want you to go back to Canaan. This is rocky. It is mountainous. It is nothing like as fertile as Goshen. And they'd be like, yeah, nah. Mm. So I think that, you know, there's a very valid point here that God is building a great nation and he's going to make things hard for them because as a great nation, they're never going to become a great nation in Egypt. Yeah, They need to leave Egypt and have their own land to become a great nation. You know, there's a classic, like, saying, hard times create strong people, strong people create great nations, great nations create soft people, soft people create hard times. You know, it's this, the cycle of prosperity within a nation. And, and so they've kind of gone through it, right? Like they've, they've gone through the hard times where it's just Abraham. We talked last week about him and his 300 men warring against the, you know, the great nations that were around them. They've gone through the hard times. They've gone through the hard times of, you know, the, then you've got, you come down to like Jacob's time and Joseph dying and uh, great famines. They've gone through all those hard times and then they've come into great prosperity. Yes. And so, you know, the cycle is just, just repeating itself. As I walk in the open plains and fields In the distance mountains tower in the air Looking up into heaven There's an eagle soaring freely Free from harm and flying
it's by faith and with prayer these my key I enter there and explore far beyond where eagles bear to my Lord on the show we'll be back with you live again on the 10th get back into our bible study we had another text message come through uh we're having this interesting discussion here this morning uh, about the israelites why was it that they ended up in egyptian captivity why were they there so long and what was it that changed that brought them out of that captivity. So we've got another another text message. In the land of Goshen, God blessed them abundantly. Mm. Their blessings were taken for granted and began to forget him. So we talked about, yes, the land of Goshen uh, being a place that they were abundantly blessed. They were immersed in Egyptian paganism as time passed and God allowed them to go into captivity so that they may remember him and their need of him. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there's a, some really important... I'm, I'm going to take issue with this one, like I took issue with the last one, just, just to challenge you guys, right? So I'm going to challenge everybody this morning. This is, this is very true. They were, they were absolutely blessed, and I'm going to add to this a little bit. 
they could not grow to become a great people in the land of Canaan. If they started to grow too much in the land of Canaan, they would have become too much of a threat too quickly because it was too heavily populated and the people who lived in the land at that particular time would have placed too much pressure on them. They would have remained a small people. Mm. By going down into Egypt and by being given the land of Goshen, they were given vast Nile Delta areas. Yeah. And these were areas that the Egyptians were not using. And the reason that the Egyptians were not using it is that Egyptian culture spurned shepherds. Yeah, well. Egyptians would never be shepherds. They were like this is this it was just completely below their dignity of their culture ever to be shepherds. And so they had all of this land that was, you know, great for being shepherds. <laughs> Terrible for everything else. And they're like, here, take this. And that allowed the Israelites to go from being a tribe into a nation. Yeah. Well, which was, they could not have done in the land of Canaan. It was their, their population just grew exponentially. That's right. They had means. They had food. Absolutely. They had, you know, safety and peace for yes. the most part. You know, they were protected by the na- the empire of the time. The superpower. Yeah. So they were they were good. Okay. Now, the next part of this text message is also um, very, very True, I really like what it says. They became immersed in Egyptian paganism. Mm. And that's what happened. You know, as they associated with the Egyptians, they started to follow Egyptian practices and they forgot about God. Mm. And because they forgot about God, God's protection ceases to exist and so they go into captivity. We understand how that works. That is a process of natural law. If you follow God... There is naturally a blessing. You know what? The thoughts just come to my mind. Yes. Because we're saying here that they forgot about God. But you know what's so interesting when you read the start of the book of Exodus is that the emperor forgets about them. The emperor of Egypt, the The pharaoh, pharaoh, he says, who is Jacob that I should respect him and to let his people be free? And he looks at the, the Israelites. They've grown exponentially. And, at the, you know, and he's like, oh, look at all these people. They might overtake us. Let's let, let's turn them into slaves. Yes. Because who is Jacob? Who is Jacob? Now, the reason that Jacob ended up in the position that he was in, that he's like second to the Pharaoh, best friend. Joseph, Joseph. Sorry, Joseph. Joseph, yeah. He lets, sorry. Oh. I was, I was, I was. No, he, so he gets yep, about yep. Joseph. The reason Joseph ends up in the position that he is is because the Pharaoh recognizes that he is called by God yes. to say the you know, to, to lead his people, to lead Egypt. Like he understands that oh Joseph communicates with the real living God. Yes. And now, you know, he's second in command to my kingdom. We're best friends now, and his family can live here in in Goshen. In, in Goshen. Yeah, in this area. But check it out. Like, imagine the situation. If the people forget about, you know, they get immersed in paganism, they're not following their gods anymore. Like, they're not following Yahweh. They're following their own gods. Think about it. What, what, like, for, for the Pharaoh looking at these people, they're like, oh, this is just another nation. They've completely lost their purpose to the Pharaoh. They've completely yes. lost their identity to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is like, why are these people even here? Of course he's forgotten about Joseph and the things that they've done because these people don't even worship that God that supposedly declared that there would be a famine and then furthermore released them from the famine. They're, they're people who uh, who kind of act just like they act except they speak a different language and 
look a little bit different. And, and they're a threat. And they're freeloaders. That, like, uh-huh. Because it's like, oh, but their previous service that they provided is that they were God's people. Yes. But now they're, they're not. They're not. They're just freeloaders. So what do they have to add? Nothing. Nothing. Because they're serving Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. And so they become slaves. That's uh-huh. a really good point. That's I was a just really, like, really good point. I know, like that a lot. I don't, do you have any other thing? Because I'm like thinking there's some application for that for us today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 100%. You know, we are like probably one of the things that gets brought up the most is how much churches... Uh, are really bad because they don't pay taxes. And and it's a fair criticism to make when you look at some of the churches around the world and you see the pastors driving a Bentley into their stadium. A fleet of them. You know, a fleet of Bentleys into their stadium that they've just, you know, driven from their private hangar where their private jet is. And now, like, I want to make the point that making money is not a problem that God has with people. But what the, the problem that God does have with people and the problem that Jesus has with people is using people's, using people's money that they give to the ministry to, to benefit yourself completely. Um, you know, being paid exponentially more than you're worth to do the job of ministering to people. God and the Bible and Jesus have a problem with that. And, and so people make the correct criticism like, man, these guys don't even pay taxes. But the reason that we don't pay taxes in Australia is the reason why churches are tax exempt is because they provide social services, because they do good, because we're God's people. Like we have been, uh, instructed, led by God, inspired by God to help the world around us by providing mostly free social services. Now, if we're not doing that, then what's the point of them giving us any, you know, tax exemptions or anything? At that point, we're just a social club, like, you know, I think of like, uh, you know, we're just like, I don't know, the, the Newcastle Knights social club or something like that. Why would we need to be tax exempt? I feel like it's a really powerful point that we should apply to us today. And, you know, this thing, like often we can point at a church structure, we can point at people and say, oh, not at people, sorry, but we can point at an institution and say, oh, you're really bad. But that reality of being a Christian who like being or a Christian organization that helps people, it, it starts with your own personal decision as a Christian. And so, you know, the people who are listening today, there are probably those listening who aren't Christian. They're probably those listening who are Christian, but I I just want to make the challenge out there as we've been challenging people to think about what the Bible is talking about, why people gives, uh, you know, they went through the suffering in Egypt. I also want to challenge people to, to live the faith that you've been called to live, to be people like to be, unmistakably Christian in the sense that you are inspired by Jesus to help the people in the world that he's called you to help, to be a true minister of the gospel. I, yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Let, let me read. Oh, we, we, we are going to we're gonna have to continue this Bible study tomorrow because this is a really good one. It raises a really good question here that, uh, and I've only got halfway through that one text message. <laughs> and we've read one, we've read one verse out of uh, like eight verses from our Bible study. This is going to be a good discussion we're going to get into this week. The Breakfast Show will be back with you live again on the 10th. Praise the Lord, O my soul, O and all my inmost being. Praise the Lord, O my soul, don't forget His love, who forgives all. To heals all your 
My name is Marius Jigel. Please join me for our new show on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. where we will examine biblical concepts and ideas and ask ourselves, is it relevant today? We will explore questions such as, did Jesus exist? Is the Bible credible? And why should I care? Please join me at 12.30 on Sundays right here on Faith FM. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We're having a party and you're invited. New Star Juice and the RTM Op Shop are celebrating their second anniversary with 20 days of festivities for all. At New Star Juice, we're giving away two items for the price of one for 20 days. Buy one, get one free. And the RTM Op Shop is selling bags for just $20. Whatever items from the shop you can fit in the bag is yours. Clothes, appliances, shoes, books, teddy bears. You can have it all for only $20. Don't miss this opportunity as it's only available while supplies last. Come celebrate with us for 20 days from the 22nd of November to the 17th of December at both New Start Juice and the RTM Op Shop. Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 45 William Street, Raymond Terrace. In a small town many years ago, a man beckoned Jesus to his house would he go, for his daughter was sickly and dying she lay, and Jesus soon made his way. Faith, he will make. 
said to her bed had been bound Then she heard that Jesus was coming today So she slowly made her way She pressed through the crowd And then she saw him The one who would take away all of her sins And then she reached out and touched him of the day. Okay, so your question today, Lyle, does Jesus' new law replace the Ten Commandments? Okay, this is a great question because this one is coming out of Tasmania and, of course, we do need to remind you all that Tassie Encounters is going to be coming up immediately after the breakfast show. So the morning show uh, brought to you from Tasmania, Tassie Encounters coming up. This question has come out from a listener in Tasmania, so let's talk about it. Uh, does God's, does Jesus' new law replace the Ten Commandments? Okay, so let's read the new law as it's found in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, the Bible says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest great commandment. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so here in this particular passage, Jesus outlines two commandments. He says the first one is love love God. The second one is love each other. Essentially, that's the paraphrase of what Jesus has said as he gives these gives these commandments. Now, for those out there who want to get rid of the Ten Commandments, and once again, as I have stated before, it's like, why? What's your objection to the Ten Commandments? I like the Ten Commandments. I love the Ten Commandments. I think they're amazing. Why would you want to get rid of them? But for those who want to get rid of them, one of the objections that has been raised is that these, when Jesus gives these two commandments, because these two commandments are not the Ten Commandments, then they supersede the Ten Commandments and they replace the Ten Commandments. Now, of course, to do that, you've got to stop reading and not read the next verse because, of course, the next verse goes on to say, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, very simply, these two commandments are a summary of the law and the prophets. In other words, we are going to find that they summarize the Ten Commandments. Okay, so what do the Ten Commandments teach? The first four commandments teach uh, 
love God. The last four, the last six commandments teach love each other. It is really that simple. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. Therefore, the Ten Commandments are all about love. Therefore, uh, the Ten Commandments are a transcript of the character of God because God is love. Now, did Jesus anywhere in this statement say that these new laws that he is giving right here do away with the ten? No, he very clearly states that they are a summary of the ten. Now, of course, there are those who come along and say, yeah, but these are new laws. These laws have not existed before. That's why Jesus gives these new laws. Uh, and Jesus is giving a new law right here. And so therefore, by making a new one, he's made the old one old. And we should follow the new one and not the old one. Well, if you're going to follow the new one, you're going to follow the old one anyway because it summarizes the old one. But let's ask the question, is that actually the case? Well, no, it's not. You see, what Jesus outlines is this. In the New Testament, love to God and love to your neighbor are a summary of the Ten Commandments. However, if you go back to the Old Testament, nothing has changed. Let me read it to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And Leviticus 19 verse 18, And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so in the Old Testament, love to God and love to each other were a summary of the Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, love to God and love to your neighbor are a summary of the Ten Commandments. This was a new concept to the Pharisees. That was the only thing that was new about it. Nothing has changed. Ten Commandments are the same in the New Testament and the Old, as is the law of God the same in the New Testament and the Old. That brings us to the end of The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, where we have been bringing to you the best and the greatest of all of our shows throughout the year. Of course, Lawson, are we back tomorrow? Well, we might be. You might be listening to us, but we'll be back live on the 10th of January, so stay tuned until then. And of course, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, and act faith.